0: Keith Law found a way to get us both excited and scratching our heads at the same time about Reds prospects. There's going to be a logjam for the Reds in the middle infield, and versatility could be the key in making it to the majors. We're going to talk about all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On
1: Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your hashtag. First listen of the day. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Alongside co-host Steven Offenbaker, we are two addicts who absolutely love the Cincinnati Reds, and we've turned our addiction into information for you. Thanks for joining us today, whether you are on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app. Make sure you're following us. On today's episode, we are going to talk about some rankings that Keith Law provided for some Reds prospects. Going to talk about what that means in the grand scheme of things. There was an interesting note on Nicoladello that we're going to dive into, and a couple of prospects that could excite us, including one prospect we are not excited enough about we will get into all of that here on today's podcast and steve i i'm telling you this is prospect ranking season which is kind of nice we've seen baseball americas we talked a little bit about that keith law's differs in fact our our friend doug over at red lake nation had an article about how keith law rates the reds farm system as the 19th best in baseball which is a lot different from baseball america seventh so some of this is uh interesting i think
0: oh, interesting is a good word you know i've always felt like keith law was a little bit hard on the reds and i don't have you know i don't have a lot of data to back that up other than just you know my eyeballs and my perceptions of the thing but sometimes it seems like he's a little bit hard on this franchise but you know going through these rankings jeff there there's some guys that he's got in some very interesting places that you know like we said at the the open there uh, kind of has a scratch in our heads just a little bit and then there's there's also some some descriptions of some guys that have me super excited and uh you know you have to look no farther than the number one prospect in this ranking system and that's mr hunter green uh to get really excited really quick yes
1: yes he uh pretty much just advocates what every Reds fan is thinking. He's a future ace. He looks amazing. The fastball, of course, is awesome. And it's funny because he he talked about how well the fastball can touch 104. It's not necessarily advised that he does that a whole lot, but it's just there. It's like one of those things, like if you're a batter in the batter's box and you're stepping in against Hunter Green, you got to have that in the back of your mind like, yeah, okay. If I see a ninety mile an hour changeup, there's a good chance I might see something that's a lot faster than that coming down the pipe. I, I, I just, I, I think that this accentuates everyone's thought about Hunter Green that he should break camp in major league roster because, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure what else he could work out at AAA.
0: You know, there's some there's some knock still on his secondary pitches, but I suspect by the time Opening Day gets here. Um, Whatever he has left to work on, he's going to be able to do at the major league level with Derek Johnson. Uh, I think that uh, Keith Law's point about you know not necessarily trying to touch 104 very often was actually a pretty good one. You know, one of the pitchers that I thought was a master at you know leaving just that little bit extra in reserve for only the most important times when he needed it was Justin Verlander. You know, mm-hmm. you'd be watching him pitch a game, and all of a sudden, you know, eighth inning, ninth inning, he hits 100 on the radar. And you're like, where did that come from? And, you know, I think he did a very great job of, you know, like you say, uh, making sure the hitters know that it's there, but not overusing it. And that's one of the things I think Hunter is going to have to learn along the way that to be an effective long term starting pitcher, he doesn't necessarily have to be a max effort guy all the time.
1: While he was very bullish on Hunter Green, it's it's also important to note, and there were a lot of fans, a lot of Reds fans, that kind of got up in arms whenever he released his top 100 and left Nick Ladello completely off of it. A guy who was in the top 50 last year, a guy who, depending on some rankings, I believe in MLB Pipeline's rankings, he was like in the 30s or something like that, just in the top 40 there. And for Keith Law to leave him off the top 100 had a lot of people scratching their heads kind of like we were talking about he explained it a little bit in his profile he he, he talked about Nick Ladello and he said he ended the season with a sore a sore shoulder it's harder to say than it should be a sore shoulder and part of the reason that that is such a big deal is because his mechanics is that of a bit of a more whipping action And obviously this doesn't do it justice because he is the professional and I am the podcaster. But the way that he throws is that sidearm action and with his left hand, not his right hand, uh, that he gets that sweeping slider with. But if the shoulder is going to give him problems, that at least creates a question mark where a lot of us had him as... I wouldn't say a sure thing, but a dude with a pretty high floor in that we didn't think there was going to be a lot of leeway with what his possible outcomes could be.
0: You know, the thing with Ladolo is that I, I'm really high on him. And uh, I spent some time talking with Rob Wooten last year when Ladolo was at Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And Rob was convinced that when uh, Ladolo was at Chattanooga, he was already, uh, would have already been able to compete at the major league level. So, you know taking that into account the the coaches and the development staff that have worked directly with the pitcher i'll take that opinion over that of uh, a national media type and i feel like that maybe law this is one of those instances where uh, i think that he was a little bit harder on the reds and harder on ladolo than uh, others should be and that he should have been and i'm i'm not i i think ladolo should be ranked higher and i think we will see ladolo pitch in great American ballpark in the 2022 season.
1: I agree. I I think that this is something he's going to have to prove the health wise. And the good news is we're talking about a sore shoulder. We're not talking about he had surgery on his shoulder. He, he didn't have any sort of dramatic procedure on that shoulder. It was just sore. And he had a lot of problems with blisters throughout the year and things like that. That's probably, it's definitely not, um, separate of one another the sh- the blister issue and the shoulder issue you got to imagine that if you can't grip the pitch just the way that you want to that's probably going to put stress on the rest of your mechanics so there's probably a little bit of give and take there and rest hopefully and a little bit of rehab probably gets that shoulder problem uh, I, I, I'm not hurting anything that says he's not going to be there whenever spring training opens up. So I think that all he really has to do is prove that he could probably throw a couple of starts, you know, get his innings up, maybe five, six innings, and then you're going to see him get called up. I I, I just, I do appreciate the facts in the case. And it's not necessarily something that I look at the person who presents the facts and say, well, he's, he's showing his bias in this, like a sure soldier, whatever. Yep. Shoulder problems in a starting pitcher <laughs> are not something you want to hear about. I need to talk. Stop talking about that. I'm going to get myself all tied up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what, Jeff? That's a you just made a great point. Um, and, and and you actually beat me to it in that you know he Lodolo suffered from a lot of blisters, and you know you're 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 getting a little bit up there in years now, Jeff, and I'm already <laughs> up there in years. And you know what I've learned along the way is you you roll your ankle, you stub your toe, you do something. And it changes the way you walk, it changes the way you do things, and all of a sudden your knee on the other side starts hurting, or you're, you know, it just throws you off. And as a major league pitcher who does things, repetition is key. You know, I have to imagine if he's not comfortable, if he was trying to change a grip and then adjust an arm slot or change an angle to compensate for the amount of break he was getting because he couldn't grip the ball. I mean, of course his shoulder got sore. And, you know, he's pitching a full season. Uh, This is is a pitcher that uh, continues to have uh, their innings totals expanded. And, you know, there's going to be some bumps along the way. But I don't think it's enough bumps for us to be worried and try and label him as injury prone or an injury risk. Uh, I, I still am, I'm, I'm fairly confident we'll see him this year in the big league rotation, but the Reds have a lot of promise in the future. And we've been talking about it for weeks now, Jeff. And one of the things that the Reds have going for them is there's going to be a logjam of talent in the middle infield. And I think the Reds are going to have to get super creative in, in dealing with that logjam of talent. So we're going to talk about that coming up in just a minute. But before we do that, I'd like to talk to you about Built Bar. Now I've been using Built Bar to try and uh, achieve my new year's resolution and stay on my diet and it is actually helping me do that you know we're into february now and after you've been doing your diet for about four weeks five weeks all of a sudden you're ready to just throw in the towel and head to the store and buy a whole box of snickers and and just go ahead and order the bigger clothes on amazon and say screw it but built bar helps you not do that because when you're craving chocolate the fact of the matter is it is covered in 100% real chocolate and it's kind of the 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 king of all protein bars is the way i look at it you know. Each one of those bars only has about 130 calories. There's only four grams of sugar. There's only four net carbs for you folks that are doing keto. And the best part is it's packed with 17, sometimes 18 grams of protein. They have tons of killer flavors. I'm, I'm partial to the Cherry barcias. Uh, those are what I keep stashed in my locker at work. And then uh, the best part about the Built Bar is you're never going to get bored with them because there's always special holiday flavors and you know just random uh, – special offerings that you can get. And then the everyday, the... Everyday basics that they have on the site from coconut brownie chunk to salted caramel. The list goes on and on and there's all kinds of other products like their their marshmallow puffs that are kind of like a Three Musketeers but just oh so good. So head over to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 when you place your order for Built Bar and you're going to get 15% off of that order just by using the code LOCKED15. So head over to Built Bar. That's built.com promo code LOCKED15 to get your 15% off your next order at Bilt.com. Jeff, I don't know if you've noticed in looking at these prospect rankings that we've been going over, but there are a ton of middle infielders listed in this top 20 that Keith Law put out. And uh, looking at some of the other prospect rankings that are out there, uh, they all agree that these guys are the top 20, 25 players in the Reds farm system, and and many of them play in the middle infield. And while it's going to be a good problem to have, I think that there's going to be a logjam that's going to require some creativity. Uh, uh, as these players get closer to reaching the major league level
1: it's a nice problem to have steve because we're we are Condition now over these last couple of years. Well, who's going to play shortstop? Well, who's going to be. Well, and really, Jonathan India answered the question last year. But before he did that, who's going to play the second base? Or is it going to be Mike Mostakis? Is it going to be somebody else? Now, you know, who's going to play in center field? Things like that. We have these questions that keep coming up. But looking a few years down the road, there are a couple of elite dudes. And, and honestly, it may not be. That long for one of them, and that is Matt McClain. Keith Law was very okay, so I wouldn't say he was glowing on Matt McCain, uh, Matt McClain, but he did say that it looks like he has a short track to the major leagues, and that in and of itself is very exciting.
0: It is, and you know the problem for McClain is that you know he plays shortstop, Mm. and he doesn't play a particularly spectacular shortstop. Uh, I think one of the things with the defensive, defensive metrics that are out there is there's not really a good one that just, just, you can latch onto and say, this one's definitive and will tell you what you need to know. I think a lot of it's trial and error. A lot of it is, you know, one of the last elements of baseball where someone kind of has to pass the eyeball test. So in that regard, I I think that McLean is both uh, probably a candidate to be one of the first guys to reach the major leagues, but he's also going to be one of the first guys the Reds are going to need to look at finding a new position for. In order to get him to the show. And, you know, it could very well be that McLean gets moved to be a second baseman and you ask Jonathan India to shift back over to the other side of the infield, play a little third, play a little short. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do here, but uh, it's starting to look like McLean's bat might force their hand here pretty quick.
1: Yeah, he says there's a lot of good things about McLean's bat. And to be honest with you, whatever outlet is reporting about Matt McLean says the same thing. He's got great bat speed. He's got great plate discipline. He's got pretty good power. He's he's not going to be like a 30 home run guy, but he's got pretty decent power and a ability to hit the ball to all fields. It's not something that you're going to question is the bat. The thing is the glove. Where is he going to stick? Is it going to be on the dirt? Is it going to be on the grass? Does he move to the outfield? I, I I tend to think of him more as like a second base, third base type guy. So maybe they either teach him third base as he moves up to the minors or yeah, they start moving Jonathan India over. I think there's something to be said about moving India again. Like I kind of feel like they sort of put him in second base with the feeling that he's not going to move from there. So that makes me wonder about McLean's future. It also makes me wonder about Ellie De La Cruz. And there's a different reason for this. Ellie De La Cruz, we talked about him a lot with Justin Rock and kind of looking forward to him in this season, moving his way through the minor leagues. Uh, I don't necessarily expect to see him for a few years, but he's already kind of a tall dude. Uh, they they he Keith Law mentions that he's listed on the team website at six two, but that's what was taken whenever he was first acquired. He's kind of grown since then. He's about six four six five. So there's a question to be had. And for Pirates fans who might be listening, and you're probably thinking, well, O'Neill Cruz is as tall as like you know the light pole in right field, and he's still playing shortstop. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to see about that. But. Ellie Dale Cruz could be another guy that's like, is he a short? Is he a third? Is he in the outfield? And Keith all tends to believe that his value is going to be a lot higher if he sticks on the dirt.
0: You know, the thing with that is, Jeff, that the shortstop position – could very well be solidified this year. I think a lot of what happens with some of these guys down line really depends on how Jose Barrero does in a full season playing shortstop at the major league level. If if he goes out there and and you know cements himself as the shortstop for the next three or four or five years, then there's going to have to be some adjustments made in the minor league system, and those adjustments are going to have to be made sooner than later so that guys can start shifting around and and getting comfortable in new positions coming up to the big league level you know the the reds lineup right now really is going to to look to have an opening at first base in a couple years and it's going to look to have an opening at third base in a couple years uh beyond that you've got a couple young guys that can take the second base position take the shortstop position and take the catcher position so i i think that uh, and, and we'll talk about this coming up in the next segment that versatility is going to prove to be key and speaking
1: of the middle of the field, there's one dude that, to be honest with you, he was just drafted, so I kind of understand why the hype is not necessarily quite there for him right now, but the hype needs to be just blown up. The, um, the excitement level for Jay Allen needs to go through the roof. Something that Keith Law said, he said he's, he's an amazing fielder with amazing speed. If he can get his plate discipline down, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. He's only 19 years old. He's got plenty of time to do that. But he's going to have the kind of hit tool that we're not looking for a 30, 40 home run guy out of him. He's probably going to be more at the top of the lineup if he can get down the plate discipline. But defensively, they said there's absolutely no reason why he should move away from center field. Center field is his spot. He's got the glove. He's got the arm. He's got the speed, the ability to cover the range. Now, you know, I don't know that we're talking about Billy Hamilton speed, but we're talking about a plus-plus speed player, and that is extremely exciting. You're talking about the whole middle of the field, including catcher, because whether it's Tyler Stevenson or a couple of guys we're going to talk about here in a minute, You're looking at a very, very strong up the middle of the field, which is a criticism that we've had about the Reds for the last five, six years is that it felt like they came from the corners in. They asked corner outfielders to be center fielders, and they asked corner infielders to be second baseman and and shortstops. So I I think that this is a nice uh, transition from that thinking.
0: Well, you're absolutely right. We need to to be a little bit more bullish on Jay Allen because he's coming along at exactly the right time. the the Reds the Reds outfield is uh, a giant question mark at best. We're we're not sure what's going to be happening over the next year or so. And you look at you look at these players now, and 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 I keyed in on it too that he's only 19 years old. And my my gut re- initial reaction is, oh, it's going to be a long time before we're even talking about seeing him but you know the fact of the matter is that's not necessarily true these players are coming up younger and younger and they're moving through the organization faster than they ever have before so you know it's my hope that that trend continues within the reds minor league organization and a few of these guys actually are in a position to get a cup of coffee contribute a little bit this year right now in order to really solidify that core that we've been hyping up all offseason
1: the future up the middle is bright steve but i'm thinking There's a couple of other factors that came into Keith Law's rankings and some stuff that he kind of pointed out that we've got to talk about. Plus, we explained to you why um, the 2021 draft class has just been phenomenal. That's all coming up in just a minute before we tell you about the best place for sports news and scores. It's betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever Before And it's not just about football season, we're talking about basketball, plenty of NBA props, odds and lines, you've got college basketball, huge upset this last night, Arkansas taking down Auburn, in Arkansas, but still, whatever, you know, Auburn's number one, Arkansas beat them, all of that great stuff, the NHL, boxing, UFC, you can get all of that news at betonline.net, and Of course, plenty of stuff about the Super Bowl. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the remaining for the Super Bowl and for all of the other sports seasons that are going on right now. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you're following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. As we've mentioned before, YouTube is going to carry a little bit of a different significance as we get closer to the season. Once the lockout ends and once we start seeing some baseball, it's going to be some little extra stuff that you're not going to see in your podcast feed. So check out Locked On Reds on YouTube. And Steve, when I looked at these Keith Law rankings, one of the big takeaways, one of the big themes that he had was he really liked what the Reds did with this last year's draft class. And I think that absolutely has to be pointed out. Five of the top 10 were from this year, this past year's draft class. That's just phenomenal to me.
0: Well, I think it says – if it says anything at all, it says that all of the extra investment that the Reds have made the last few years in the scouting and in the the beefing up of the development systems in the minor leagues is really starting to pay dividends. They're going out yeah. and they're getting players that – they're getting players that – you know, not only they identify as being good, but they are pretty much consistently agreed upon across Major League Baseball that these are the right guys to take at this time. The Reds, they've not overreached. They've done their homework and, and it's starting to show. We're seeing a, a logjam of talent because they've done a phenomenal job of making sure that they bring in these, these young guys and put them in the best positions to be successful.
1: Somebody paying you money to say the word long jam? You're saying that? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's it's been a phenomenal draft class, according to Keith Law. I mean, you had McLean at three, you had Jay Allen at four, you also had Matt Nelson, a catcher, in the top ten, Jose Torres that we talked about already, and Andrew Abbott, a left-handed pitcher. For those of you that always like, oh hey, the Reds need another lefty coming up in a few years, they've got a lefty in Andrew Abbott who we're going to be watching, but five of the top ten from 2021, bumping down guys like Tyler Callahan in the rankings, as it were, b- bumping down. Austin Hendrick didn't even make the top 20 on this list. Now, a lot of that has to do with health and, and stuff like that, but I mean, these new guys have really just injected a lot of talent. I think that's one of the reasons that publications like Baseball America actually put the Reds in the top 10, because these guys, for the most part, McLean probably will be the quickest of this group, but for the most part, these guys are going to be in the farm system for a couple of years. Matt, or uh, Jay Allen is probably going to be in the farm system till at least, at, at the very least, 2024, probably 2025 Definitely be up by 2026, but these guys are going to be around. And, and Jay Allen, uh, to his credit, just missed making Keith Law's top 100. They said that you know, with a full season of awesomeness that they expect to happen with Jay Allen, he should be in next year's top 100. And and that in and of itself is just awesome to see because when you're a team, as much as I hate to say it, small market. You got to draft and develop. And if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. 2021 draft class, baby.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, Jeff. We've we've been talking about this, you know, throughout this episode, and we have yet to utter the name Reese Hines. I mean, yeah. we're looking at this, or you know, we're looking at these guys, and 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 the and the list just goes on and on. And and Reese is an interesting character, just because I, I I've been really paying attention to him, just to kind of see what's going to happen. And when we talked to Justin Rock and 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 ask about Reese Hines, uh, you know, he thought that that Reese was going to continue to be impressive, uh, you know. What concerns me is some comments that Nick Kroll made this offseason in talking about Hines' injuries and that they may necessitate a change of position. Now, you know, I, I threw out a thought that maybe that means they're going to move him to first base and, and see if he's the heir apparent over there. And, and uh, you know, I got into a back and forth with our buddy Doug Gray over at Red Lake Nation, and he was adamant that that shouldn't happen, that Hines needs to stay at third base. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but I know that you know, you're talking about a guy that can be an absolute masher, and he might now maybe a player without a home as far as a position goes just based on some of his injury problems And the fact that there's so many guys playing on this infield, you know, could we talking about Reese Hines moving to right field? Could we talk about him moving to first base? Uh, You know, and it may not necessarily uh, mean that he's going to be playing at third when he reaches the big league level.
1: Probably not the uh, sexiest prognostication for some, but uh, sounds like he might be a future D.H.
0: Let us not forget the universal DH is coming. You're it's you're coming. right, and and you know the timing works out that right as the right as the end of the Votto era is upon us. You know it could be the beginning of the Heinz era, so you know that position could very well be open. And then uh, I, I think you've got a point coming up where uh, the Reds' next first baseman may already be on the big league team.
1: Yeah, and I find this interesting because with the ranking of Matt Nelson at number seven in Keith Law's top ten. He's a guy that he's really bullish on. I think this is a guy to watch this season to see how he does in the Reds farm system. I also like Daniel Veoh. Only because I haven't talked you know, it was a couple weeks since we talked to Justin Rock, so I haven't said Veohine's name in a while. Um he made the top twenty. And Keith Law mentions he's got to face better pitching for him to get a better gauge on where he is. He says that he likes the hit tool, loves the fielding, loves the arm. He threw out 43% of the attempted steals against him this past season. That's phenomenal. Sign me up for that. So you're talking about some guys who are coming up that in a few years may make it just, you know, obvious to move Tyler Stevenson to first base. We've talked about this before. He got... A little bit of run there with Joey Votto being hurt this past season. Did he look amazing? No, but he looked like anybody who's moving to first base that didn't expect to play first base anytime during the season. I think if he continues to learn that position, i.e. Scott Hatterberg, pick a machine, then you're going to get that bat in the lineup a lot more. You're going to extend his career. I think it makes a ton of sense to move him to first base, and there's a couple of guys coming up through the system who could do that
0: you know that and that lends to to the point that you know I want to make on versatility Jeff uh, I think the days of drafting a shortstop and he comes up as a shortstop and he plays shortstop at the big league level that's over I think uh, more and more we're going to see the model that was followed with Chris Bryant followed by everybody I think that they're going to guys are going to be asked to play two or three positions be asked to play them well and be asked to play them at the big league level I think that's the way with with the the new analytical portion of the game getting the right people in the right place at the right time, you're going to have to have a lot of flexibility and you're going to have to be able to make moves and shuffle things around in the middle of a game. So in order to facilitate that, and I think this is David Bell's dream, you know, is to have nine starters that eight of them can scoot around the infield and play all eight positions. I mean, you know, that's an extreme example, but I, I do believe we're heading to a place where each guy on the big league roster plays two to three positions and plays them fairly well.
1: As a fan of fantasy baseball, I can think back to a couple of different guys like that, like Yuli Gurriel on the Astros. They played him about every position. Um, And also Ben Zobrist, uh, toward Mm -hmm. the end of his career, played anywhere they could. I think the only position he didn't play was catcher or pitcher but he might've pitched in like a couple of blowout games or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I I think you've got some guys that are coming up through this farm system that are just amazingly fantastic. We didn't talk that. I mean, you know, you mentioned Reese Hines. We didn't talk that much about Tyler Callahan. There was some little bit lackluster performance and some injuries that he had this past season that knocked him down in the rankings. He still is a guy that we're looking toward in the future. And like we mentioned, Austin Hendrick completely out of the top 20 because of injuries. Does he get healthy and kind of figure some things out? Former first-round pick. Could happen. We'll have to see. That's, it's going to be an interesting thing. There's going to be lots to watch. And I know that not to focus on the farm system, but if you find yourself in Dayton, in Chattanooga, in Louisville, in Daytona, if you find yourself in Daytona, go to the beach and then go to the game. But all of that great stuff, there's so much to watch with guys coming up through this. Far. We're not talking about some guys that, yeah, maybe they're good. There's a lot of good dudes on this list.
0: You know, Jeff, that's probably kind of a great place to wrap up today as this offseason continues to move forward. uh, We're going to dive into these rankings as they come out. We're going to keep talking about these guys uh, because I'm excited about them and I I, I want to learn as much about them as we can. Uh, I think the future is very, very bright for the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, I want to uh, I want to see all the options as they unfold in front of us. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, coming up on our next podcast, Jeff and I are going to talk about our favorite Reds players growing up—the ones that really just hooked us in and made us Reds fans. Uh, really going to uh, see how our fandom unfolded, so to speak. Uh, thanks again for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. Now head over to Locked On Bets and make them your second listen. Q and Lee Sterling over there give you all the information you need to make some cash at BetOnline.ag every. Single Day locked on bets, just like locked on Reds. It's free and available on all podcasting platforms. Jeff, we're still in the offseason and we're still locked out. But what are we?
1: We are locked
0: on Reds every single day.